Welcome back, fellow podcasters. It's Freedom Friday, and time for another episode of Jeff Fry, an American conservative. So we had this past week something that our current president referred to as an extraordinary success when it comes to the evacuation that occurred in Afghanistan. To actually quote what the president said, He said, The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage the United States military and our diplomats and intelligence professionals. And like a lot of you out there, I'm sure you've been hearing the uh, parallels, let's say to the Titanic, while it was sinking, that they took great pride in seeing how many of the lifeboats were able to get out and hold people. Instead of talking about the proximate cause, which was the iceberg which created the Titanic to sink. So when the president comes and he starts talking about this extraordinary success, he puts it into very limited context. And usually you'll hear him and his lackeys talking about how they were able to airlift 120,000 people in matter weeks out of that area, and how it's the most extraordinary airlift ever for any country to have done. Now, although this might be an accurate statement on his part, let's just be very clear that this airlift is something that he himself self-generated and was the cause of. If you were to go back to April of 2021, this was when Biden went against all of his senior officials, I might add, and declared that he was going to be totally out of Afghanistan by September 11th, which very nicely would have coincided with the anniversary of our terrorist attacks here in the United States. And, you know, it's almost like, why don't we learn from the past? You cannot expect to tell enemies what your plans are specifically because they will either sit and wait or they will begin their actions of what they know that you're going to do. And guess what? After this happened, the Taliban decided to embolden themselves. Now, we hear... Biden, when he tries to backpedal a little bit about how this agreement with the Taliban was uh, set up by President Trump and that it was thrown on his back to be done just merely three months after he took office. Well, just as a second on this particular subject, let's just say that almost a year ago to May, is when Trump actually created that agreement with the Taliban, but it had conditions, and the conditions were that they weren't that the Taliban was not going to be doing anything stupid in the interim, which included killing Americans, 
But it also had to do with the Taliban not helping other terrorist groups harbor within Afghanistan, such as ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, when Trump went into that negotiation with the Taliban to make it May 1st of 2021, there was no way that Trump thought he was going to lose the election and he would be there to see this thing through. Because as everybody knows, Trump, and frankly the rest of the country, all wanted to get out of Afghanistan. It was just a question of how you were going to do it so that the big vacuum of terrorism didn't return, which, by the way, was the real reason why we got in there to begin with. So when Biden talks about how it was thrown on his back and he only had 90 days, hey, let me tell you what. When he allegedly won the election in November, he knew that day was coming right from the get-go because it was something that was in place from almost a year prior. And of course, like a lot of other things that Biden had no trouble with, like the World Health Organization or the Paris Climate Accord, I wonder why he decided to leave that one in place. I think the only reason that he extended it was because, as with everything else Joe Biden has with his administration, there was no plan to get the troops out. And so by April, he knew it couldn't happen uh, under the original time frame, so it was extended to a nice window dressing of September 11th, which, by the way, still had no plan on what he was going to do by September 11th. Now, I'm sure you, as well as all the other Americans, are quite familiar about how our President Biden would go on television and these press conferences and tell us that we were going to be okay coming out of Afghanistan because, after all, they had a, a military of 300,000 strong compared to what he said was 70,000 of the Taliban. And they were the best equipped and some of the best trained soldiers in the world. What he failed to tell us about, and thanks to Reuters here this last week, was that he had a conversation in July with the then president of Afghanistan. And in it, he was very clear that things didn't look like they were going too well in Afghanistan. I mean, after all, at that point, the Taliban had uh, secured probably about a third of Afghanistan. The troops, the 300,000 strong, were quickly fleeing. And why wouldn't they? Because they knew that the only reason that they were effective was because they had the support of the United States. Even though our president says uh, we don't need a ground presence there anymore or a ground war, I want to point out that since 2014, the United States mission in Afghanistan has purely been on a defensive mission and our ability to have reconnaissance or intelligence with our contacts on the ground. And just in case anybody has ever forgotten, it has been about 20 years since we've had any organized terrorist attacks on our homeland. So has it been successful? Has it been worth the money invested? Has it been worth the lives that we've lost or our soldiers? Well, you know, 
War never is worth the cost of lives. And yet, how do you put a dollar amount on the mere fact that we have been able for 20 years to have our liberties and our freedoms and not being afraid of things blowing up whenever we get on an airplane or a train or the water that we drink? How do you put a price on something like that? So what an unfair question our president has put in front of us. But in any event, this conversation that Biden had with President Ghani was that he was concerned about the perception around the world as to what was happening. Because I mean, our allies could also see where the Taliban was making their way back in, clearly, as we could as well. So then the president went ahead and offered aid if President Ghani would publicly say that the control of this spiraling situation in Afghanistan was different. He offered to provide additional air support. Because, keep in mind, Biden wanted out of Afghanistan. He said he was going to come out of Afghanistan, and now here in July, things are falling apart. And by all rights, it wasn't going the way he thought it was going to go. Even though the president told us about this 300,000-person army, it was clear that they were falling apart and that this thing wasn't going to last. In fact, his intelligence, his guys inside the war room were advising the president that they didn't think it would last 30 to 90 days, the government I'm talking about of Afghanistan, after the U.S. withdrew. Now, that would have been bad enough, except one of the reasons why the White House is saying that we left all of that equipment there when we left which I believe has been estimated around $85 billion, was so that these 300,000 soldiers would have what was necessary to defend the country. But how could this be when they knew that it was going to fall within 30 to 90 days? Who do you think it was going to fall to? The enemy, right? And that list of stuff, you've heard it. How about 22,000 Humvees? All right, we had... oh. 64,000 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, uh, 360-some thousand assault rifles. And I'm sure you've heard about the uh, at least the 33 Black Hawk helicopters. But there were also 33 M17 helicopters. We had 43 um, what they call MD-530 helicopters. We also had about 60 or 70 aircraft, which included even... The 130 transports, and I'm sure, as maybe you have heard, this Taliban, which was quick to take all of that stuff, now has more Black Hawk helicopters than 85% of the countries in the world. In fact, they have a better equipped military than just about everybody in the European community. All they need it was the keys, and now they have them. This conversation going back to July with Biden and Ghani far outweighs any phone conversation that Trump had had with President Zelensky with Ukraine. Because I know you all remember that, and that was holding up aid unless Zelensky helped him, allegedly. But you know what? It didn't cost lives. It didn't create the largest airlift in, in world history. It didn't ruin our international positions with our allies. 
None of that. And yet, where's the media on this? That was clearly an offensive thing, enough to get impeached. So where are the cries for impeachment on Biden? So let's go back to this extraordinary success. Certainly, things that were extraordinary were, how about the, uh, the panic or the, the chaos that we saw at the Kabul airport, which included the guys being jumping off that transport airplane to their death, releasing the kill list to the Taliban on the auspice that it was going, they were going to assist in getting our people out of their country. Actually, now they know exactly who they are and where they are. I know the explosion, which ended up killing hundreds, including 13 of our servicemen. That was extraordinary. And as a side note on those 13 brave servicemen that lost their lives, what's up with Biden continually looking at his watch while those caskets were being unloaded there in Dover? How disrespectful. How utterly disrespectful. The scorn coming out of the international community about how irresponsible this was on the part of Biden and how it left all of them in the lurch, including England and France. Thank God a little bit for Britain because where's all these stories about how the British troops were part of rescuing the American civilians which came out? Which out of that 120,000, by the way, was about 5,100 Americans. And of course... The biggest disappointment, the biggest atrocity that all this has done is what about the hundreds of Americans that are still trapped and now hostage in Afghanistan and the thousands and thousands of interpreters and helpers of the Afghan people community which have helped the United States with their intelligence through the years. What do you think is going to happen with that? Now we're watching our military generals getting on television and saying, hey, yes, there's a chance we may have to negotiate with these terrorist thugs in hopefully getting our people out. Well, you know the way this Biden administration is going to do it because they did it with Obama. We're going to send airplane loads full of cash, probably instructions on some of our equipment, and we're going to have to use ransoms to get these people back. And maybe we will get a lot of these Americans back, and I hope we do. But I doubt we'll get many of those Afghan partners back. We're already seeing, we're seeing on television, they're being beaten, killed. The way they do it over there, it's not just the person. They kill the family. And and the family includes uncles, aunts, anybody that knew them. So yeah, you might be able to get the interpreter and his immediate family out. But then the other 12 or 15 members of that extended family at home, they all get killed. Good job, Biden. Spectacular. You know, for the last couple of years, I've gone out and I've been saying that I hope that the American people will wake up to what's actually going on in our country. And it's been going on for a while. I mean, between the the cancel culture, between the extreme measures of social justice or injustice, the obvious biased media and large corporations, we're teaching our children critical race theory instead of Americana. And what got us here is the greatest nation in the world. 
And now we're leaving people behind when, when we didn't have to. We didn't have to do any of this. We've taken our eyes and ears out of probably one of the biggest hotbeds of terrorism in the world. And, and whether, whether they think that we can watch over this or not, what we've done is we've ruined 20 years of keeping our country safe. And just why is he scorching the United States? We are in the middle of destroying everything that we have developed over 250 years. We were once energy dependent. We're not anymore. We were the leaders of the free world. I can assure you after this exit here, there is nobody who's comfortable that we are still that. We used to be supportive of go out, work hard, make your money, and be proud of it. Not now. Now it's all about making the government bigger and making our Americans more dependent on the government. What's up with that? That's a socialist environment. That is not the capitalist. That's not the, the beaming light on the hill. The influx of illegal immigration happening on our southern border, which is not just all Guatemalans and all. No, no. It's coming from every factions of, of the world, good and bad. And it's not the good necessarily, even though we would like it to be orderly. How about the bad? The bad being the drugs, the, the human trafficking, the, the terrorists that are coming through. What is up with this? How come the police are, are bad? Defund the police? So what? So we can form a government civilian force? That's exactly where we're heading. You think they're going to do it better? Uh-uh. They didn't do it better in Nazi Germany, I can tell you that. No, it's not time for Americans to wake up. America is awake. And we've seen this. And now for 220 days or whatever this horrible administration has thrown upon us, we can see the future. And it's not good. They're taking our America down. We have a midterm election coming up. And it is absolutely imperative that we put some brakes on this administration. It's no longer about wake up America. It's about do something about it, America. You're seeing it. We don't have to go out and fight. That, that's not our way. But we still, as far as I know, have the ability to change leadership within our country. And we can do it. We have to stand up when our local councils are trying to put hate critical theory into our schools. Start participating, America. You have to do it now. Our time for waking up has passed us. But we still have hope. And I will keep fighting, and I would hope that you'll pass this along and get this message out. We need the message to be out there. Do something, America. Let's make America great again. Thank you so much for participating and listening to my podcast this week. I look forward to our future episodes. I am Jeff Fry, an American conservative. I'll be back next week with more to talk about. In the meantime, keep us, U.S., the United States, in mind. Thank you.